square fielder. He's gone to the dogs. Welcome, friends, to the Gone to the Dogs podcast. Steve Fielder here with you. First of all, I want to thank you for giving me a couple of weeks off uh, to go out to the White River in Arkansas with my buddies uh, out there and and have an, a good week of coon hunting. Um, and I'll try to tell you a little bit about that as we go along. But uh, today, our guest is a fellow that I've wanted to get on the podcast for quite some time. And thanks to our mutual friend, Murray Reagan of Tennessee, uh, I finally caught up with Peanut Scott. Peanut is hunting a nice English dog these days named Sniper. And we're going to talk with Peanut, talk about his experiences of uh, once being a very successful walker man and uh, changing horses kind of in midstream, so to speak. But uh, we had a great week of hunting at the White River. Um, Coon hunting was good. And, uh, of course, I enjoyed it particularly uh, because I got to spend – uh, several nights hunting with a young dog that I co-home with my partner, Mark Miller, the plot dog we call Bear Pen Fever. And I had only had a, a night here and there with Fever in the past. So he and I got to be buddies uh, uh, during the White River week and uh, had a great time with that. Uh, I do uh, want to tell you that this recording is being uh, done or at least our interview, was done on the second day of our White River trip this year. And uh, so uh, without further ado, let's go right into the recording uh, with Glenn Peanut Scott. How you doing, Peanut? I'm doing good, Steve. Thank, oh, it, thank you for having me. Oh, it's great to, to see you, and uh, you've uh, come over here today and uh, had to endure all our gang out there telling war stories and all, and uh, uh, it's, it's not a bad little place we got here, is it? Man, I tell you, Steve, it's super nice. Y'all are blessed to be able to have a place like this to come to and stay while you hunt White River. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a total blessing, and this... Uh, uh, High Plains Waterfowl Lodge, really, and it's amazing what they've done with this place. It was an old store building. Yeah, it's absolutely and, beautiful. Yeah, and they've got it set up with bunk rooms and in individual rooms and bunk beds in some rooms. And uh, everywhere you look, though, there's ducks. I don't see any coons, coon mounts around. They do have some, some exotic game mounts out there, and it's kind of set up like a a big lodge that you'd go out west, you know, maybe to to hunt, you know, big game or something. Right, or, right. But this duck hunting is king in this area. In fact, there's a sign here, I think it's in one of the, maybe the men's room, it says uh, Stuttgart, Arkansas, duck and rice capital of the country. And so, we're not far from Stuttgart. That's right. That's right. But uh, duck hunting, do you ever do any duck hunting? Never have. Yeah. That's just one hobby I never take right. up. Uh, back in West Virginia, we used to walk along the creeks and jump shoot these wood ducks. They'd get up and we'd shoot them like shooting quail, you know, and that was fun. But when I was a little kid, we lived in Charleston, Missouri. My dad was working uh, 
at a plant where, you know, we both know Ronnie Bone. Oh, yeah. And uh, Ronnie's dad worked at the same plant where my dad did. And uh, but that was the first sometimes the sky was part of this experience for me. Right. To come out. I don't see that at home where I am. No, I, I don't either. Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, White River, everybody loves it. Some people hate it. My buddy came down from North Carolina. He said, too much mud for him. Man, he, he would like it this year, though, wouldn't he? Man, I tell you, Steve, this is one of my favorite places uh, to hunt. I've hunted all over the central United States, and White River's probably my favorite place to come. Well, I was talking to a fellow, and he does podcasts again. I don't know whether I ought to mention his name. Or not. He told me, he said, Steve, we've got to quit telling people about this White River. There's too many of them coming. Well, I've been coming since, uh, I think, 2001 was my first year. Okay. Yeah. But I don't remember what year. Oh, yeah, let's see. I think it was 2010 was my first year. So this makes 14 years for me. But uh, we used to stay over in a place called Maddox Bay in a the cabin there for several years. And then you and I... <laughs> I shared experience about a, about a, that uh, luxury uh, resort we stayed in. You, you stayed maybe one of the years that I was there. It was uh, supposed to be a deer hunter's camp, but uh, if it was a deer hunter, it was probably uh, one of the first deer hunters <laughs> in the state of Arkansas. Well, I tell you, Steve, I hope I never have to stay at that place again. Uh I guess I was thankful to have a roof over my head, but it just— well, That's uh, about what you had. That, that's about all we had. That's about all we had. <laughs> and hoped it didn't rain real hard. Yeah, ain't that the truth? Good gracious. Oh, man. But anyway, uh, I've heard this term for years. People say, well, there's a good little coon hunter's motel there in one area. <laughs> that means you don't you don't turn down the bed. You just throw your sleeping bag on top. Right, right. <laughs> Well, Peanut, it's great to have you and to talk to you, and we could just, you know, chit-chat. I want to, uh, before I get into really letting you tell your story, I remember when I went to PKC, and that was in 1998, and I had been with UKC prior to that for, well, 16 years in home office, and I started meeting some of the PKC hunters, and especially around Aurora, around the world hunt time and all that, you know. And I really just fell in love with those guys. I, I enjoyed it. It was it was a totally different experience. It was coon hunting, but it was a lot different than the UKC hunts, right. whatever. But when I was with UKC, sometimes on Saturday morning, I'd stand and I'd listen to those whining. And, and I don't, you know, that's no reflection on UKC. But guys would come up, you know, and everybody got cheated, and everybody got a bad guide, and everybody this and that, and, you know, whining. I went to PKC, and I sat there in that tennis center, and hunters come in. How'd you do, Peanut? Got beat. Go get me a cup of coffee. <laughs> Sit down, talk, you know. Oh, well, how'd you do? Well, I got lucky tonight, right, you know. Right, And it was like there wasn't that, seemed like that stress with it. It was just, and and. I don't know if that was uh, uh, passed on by Jarvis and his philosophy for the for the club or whatever, but I just found a, a, a free and easy uh, experience of coon hunters getting together, hunters with hunters enjoying themselves and all. Now I realize things have changed some since those years. The whole 
whole dynamic of coon hunting has changed a whole lot right. since those days. Um, but before we get in, I want to talk to you about your PKC experiences and all of that. Who's Peanut Scott? Where are you from? What, tell us about yourself. Well, Steve, I'm uh, from Bass Springs, Tennessee, as you mentioned. I've been there my entire life. Uh, I'm within five miles of where I was born and raised. Uh, my wife's from Bass Springs. Uh, we've been married going on 38 years. Her name's Rhonda. Wonderful, wonderful lady. She's had to be in to put up with me. Um, we got two boys. Uh, Daniel is my youngest son. Reggie is my oldest son. Reggie's married to Brittany uh, Scott, and they had our first little bit. My grandchild awesome. back uh, July before last. So he's a little over a year old now, a year and a half, getting close to a year and a half. And my youngest, they got engaged about a month ago. Oh, so congratulations be, to them. Thank, yep, thank you so much. God has blessed us so much, Steve, with, hey, we just, we love those girls like they're ours. Oh, I mean, God couldn't have given my boys any better ladies to be with. And two boys that is just phenomenal. Never had a minute's mm -hmm. trouble out of either one of them. Um, yeah, I've just been truly blessed. Right. Uh, and we still live in Bass Springs. We live uh, real close to Rhonda's mom. Uh, her dad passed away a few years ago, and we we live close to her mom. And uh, got 44 acres, just a little small, oh, small great. farm. But uh, God's trueness, uh, I'm retired now, and I still I get to go and do, uh, you know, as I can afford to. And uh, I just love coon hunting. I've done it yeah. my whole life and started when I was nine. And uh, it's just, man, it's led me to where I'm at today. Well, my brother recently retired as a minister. Now, you've been a minister how yeah, long I'm, I'm still. I'm still. still oh, you still. Yeah. Do you have a church? Do you pastor a church? No. Do you do? Uh, I, I fill in. I supply. I, I got uh, you. fill in for preachers out of town That's or sick my brother. or things like that. And I tell you, Steve, I, I've pastored three churches uh, since I, I was called to preach in '95. Okay. And uh, I've pastored three churches from then until now. Then. Anything I've ever done, right? Um, you know, I'm, I get to see so many different people. I may be at this church this Sunday, another ch church yeah. the next Sunday, and so yeah. on. And it's I love meeting different people yeah. and going different places. And uh, God just he he's blessed my ministry, sure. Uh, and I'm just thankful to still be able to do it. Well, you bet. Well, you know, I think my listeners uh, know where I stand as far as my faith. I don't try to preach to them too much on here every once in a while i'll slide a little something that maybe the lord laid on my heart but uh but uh, our my faith is very important to me and i know it is to oh, you oh absolutely too. sure he was a deer hunter and a rabbit hunter had uh had beagles and he also had fox dogs he he fox hunted but um there was a, when i was growing up we lived there was three stores within a mile of my house and i would go to these stores in the summer when i was out of school and uh just listen to the older guys talk about their hunting experiences and there was a guy that lived right down the road from us about a mile from mom and dad his name was lloyd johnson he's still still around i still see him at the store from time to time and he was a coon hunter and I would listen to his stories at the store, and it just intrigued me. Uh, he, man, he would talk about the dogs fighting the coon and this, that, and other. Well, you never got to see any of that with beagles or fox dogs. So I just I got on him about wanting him to come and pick me up and take me hunting sometime. And some time went by, and uh, I just stayed on him and stayed on him. And he finally, one night, he pulled in the driveway, and Dad went to the door, 
And uh, he came into the room. I think I was in my bedroom doing something. I may have been doing homework or whatever. And he said, Lloyd's out here wanting to know if you want to go coon hunting. Man, I went to throwing clothes on. <laughs> and, Steve, it was snowing so hard you couldn't hardly see the ground. And uh, Dad said, you sure you want to go out in this? I said, I want to go. So I went with him. He had a little walker dog called Mac. And then he called Mac. And uh, he treated two coons that night. Oh, and boy. I was instantly hooked and i hunted with lloyd for about uh two years before dad ever bought me a, a pup and uh he bought me my first pup was english only english i'd ever owned mm. before sniper and uh, it was just back then it you know dad didn't want a coon hunter he just went and bought a puppy so uh anyway uh i named her fanny and lloyd helped me train her and she turned out to be a pretty good dog um uh, she would, that was before I mean, I couldn't afford it later track and, uh, night after night, after night, I'd have to leave her and dad would come in from work the next day and we'd have to load up and go try to find Fanny uh, because <laughs> she'd ran a deer somewhere and we couldn't catch her. And, uh, anyway, um, I hunted her until, um, I don't know, five or six years and she got ran over and, uh, messed one of her back legs up and we had to end up taking it off. Oh, boy. Taking her back leg off, and uh, so I sold her to a pleasure hunter, and then I started hunting walker dogs. But she, I got to take her to the first world hunt I ever went to, 1979, Norwalk, Ohio. It was the ACHA. Oh, oh okay. Uh, around home, there was no, there wasn't much UKC. It was mainly right. ACHA. So I went to a Norwalk, Ohio, uh, one, one cast while I was up there, but, man, it was the experience. Of my life. Well, that ACHA World Hunt was was the hunt. Oh, uh, man, uh, it was of all hunts it, at that time. Yes, yeah. sir. That was before PKC ever came along. Yeah, you know, and we didn't have much UKC around us at the time. And uh, man, the ACHA World Hunt. It. I mean, that was top top oh, of the yeah. ladder. Yeah. You know, yeah. around my place. Sure. Well, I think it was all across the country. You know, every, I've said many times, American Cooner Magazine, because I always had the World Hunt winner on the front. You yep. know, that red magazine with that black and white picture yep. in the middle. And you get up there in that Ohio country, you're getting up there in the fast lane back in those days. You know, Ed Bates, for instance, uh, Burton Oney up there. Yeah. Ed, Ed won it the year that I went. Oh, did he? With he sure did. I'll be. Yeah, you I've reaching still, back there. I've still got the, the little folder or whatever you want to call it with Mr. Ed and Speck on the front of it. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, Morris Hardy that's here hunting with us. And of course, I've had Morris on on the podcast and all, you know, he and Ed were good friends and, and are still. Right. And Ed and Scott used to come down here, I think. So. And some time with, with Mr. Ed and Scott both at the World Hunt this oh, past year. Yeah, yeah. And, man, they're, they're top notch. They I think are. the world of both of them. Absolutely. And I didn't really know Scott. When I went to UKC, Ed was very active in the English Association. And he'd laugh probably if he hear me say this. They'd have the meetings. And boy, back that was back in the days when it wasn't long after you know UKC had uh, 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 you know, the English breed had had uh, broken out of the of the actually it's the other way around the Walkers and the Blue Ticks came out of the English breed back in '46. But anyway, now this was in the '80s that they were no longer going to allow the transfer of breed between the Walker dogs and the Blue Ticks and the English, because for many years after the English and Blue Ticks separated, I keep saying English, 
the English was the breed, okay? And then they had the train walkers within the English breed and the blue ticks. They both separated out into their own breeds. So now the English people, if they had a dog, uh, or, or let's say a walker man had a dog that was a good tricolored dog or something, maybe he was ticked the English, and that was permissible. Or maybe you got a litter of pups and, and uh or, or the blue tick breed, and maybe some red tick pups come out of that litter, you were able to transfer that back into the English breed. And that was permissible for several years. When Fred Miller came along in 1973 and bought UKC, he said, we're going to put a stop to this. Well, that wasn't a popular decision I bet. by any means. And Mr. Bates, he would get in there. He's a pretty good politician. <laughs> yeah, I can remember him involved in those discussions and all, you know. But, uh, yeah, that's all part of the history, you know, of the breeds. But the English breed has always been kind of more open and, and accepting, you know, of uh, of the various colors and all that stuff. Right. But anyway, I remember, that's getting down a rabbit path, but I remember some of those meetings, you know. And uh, But, yeah, it was a man back in the day. Speck was a, a walker dog. Made Grand Knight champion. They transferred him into English breed. They made it again. So yeah, he, I never, I never got to hunt with Speck. No, nah, I, I did a, a lot of stories about him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So you went to to Norwalk to the to the World Hunt. That was uh, yeah. Well, I was I think I was seventeen. Um, yeah, I was born in sixty two. I'm sixty one now, and I think I was seventeen when I went to Norwalk. Well, if it gives you any comfort. In 1962, I was a, a sophomore in high school. Wow. <laughs> 64 was my graduating year. All right. Well, uh, you know, of course, I think most people, or I did, when I first met you, of course, was through PKC. Right. And you were hunting the Willie dog. Right. What's the background, or how did you get to Willie and talk about Willie? Okay. Well, uh, I had a buddy, James Montgomery, that I pleasure hunted some with, and he had bought a little female at the St. Jude hunt at Parsons, Tennessee, from a man named Jimmy Lambert from uh, Louisiana. And I thought she was one of the prettiest females that I had ever looked at. Her name was Annie. And James brought her home and hunted her for, for about a couple of weeks, and she was the deer runnest thing you've ever seen in your life. And James was just a pleasure hunter, and he, did, he didn't want that at all. So me and Avery, Avery may have been the one that called me and said, hey, I, I think James wanting to sell Annie. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. Is this Avery Bell? Avery Bell, yeah. Uh, me and Avery's been buddies our whole lives. So I'm, I'm older than him, but um, me and him's been real close our whole life. I'm going to interrupt you. What was that little female he was hunting that one in the super stakes? He wore them out one year at a Oh, Lord. Lord. Um, one, I mean, he had. Lloyd C. Morris owned her. Um, I remember yeah. she she scored 900 and something I know it. in the final cast, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I cannot think of her name. I can see her just as plain yeah, as day, but I, I cannot re- think of her uh, name. Yeah. Okay, well, let's just remember that night very well. I was doing play-by-play 
on the computer there at the tennis center, you know, and I mean, she was putting on a clinic. She was. She was. <laughs> well, go ahead. So anyway, long story short, me and Avery ended up buying Annie together, and Avery told me when we bought her, he said, now you have to keep her and hunt her. You're, you know, you have to keep her at your house and hunt her. I've got I don't remember what he was hunting at the time. Maybe in Clyde, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he owned him and Billy owned Wild Clyde, and uh, of course he had a female out of Clyde named Ugg that they mm-hmm. were hunting. So um, anyway, he said you'll have to keep her at your house and hunt her. Well, I got to working on her uh, for junk and uh, slowed her down a lot. And she was the type of dog, Steve. If you hunted her and a lot of coons, she would flat demolish you. I mean, she was a she was quick on both ends. Uh, just a super nice female, especially if you had her in thick coons. And uh, anyway, uh, me and Avery had decided we wanted to breed her. And at the time, um, I was looking at Hardwood Henry that Jeff Rickletts hunted. Yeah. Uh, he was winning everything. Oh, yeah. Everywhere he went, you know, Jeff was winning with him. And me and Mike had went to the uh, – I think I know you don't hear much about NKC, but we went to the NKC World Hunt, and um, I was hunting Annie, and Mike was hunting. I think Trey, a little female that they had called Trey, and um, anyway, Jeff was there, and uh, we went out and looked at Henry and talked to Jeff about him and this, that, and the other. And the main thing that I was wanting when we bred her was to breed her to a solid, absolute coon dog. I didn't want no junk running, no possum trend, no anything like that. I wanted something to offset. I wanted something to offset Annie's weaknesses. Right. And uh, anyway, uh, I sort of set my mind on Henry. I wasn't a hundred percent on him, but that's that's who I was wanting, mm-hmm. you know, to breed to. And uh, Avery so happened had a he had a breeding to moose. He had a free breeding to moose. He had bred a female and she didn't stick and. He had a free breeding. Now, let's qualify because a lot of our listeners don't know. Moose was Wipeout Zach. That's right. But it's Tommy McQueen and, and Mike, Mike Ferguson. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wipeout Zach, which we all know is Moose. Right. That was his kennel name. Yeah. And um, anyway, so we ended up renanny to Moose, and um, she had a shed of puppies. It was for a week. Wow. And uh, anyway— That's cold in Tennessee, isn't it? Oh, it was terrible. It was one of the worst weeks we probably ever had as far as temperature goes. Yeah. Well, anyway, I went out to check on these puppies or check on Annie to see if she'd had any puppies, and she had had 11. So it seemed like all of them were doing good. Well, I go back in the house after I've stayed out there for a little bit, and I go out there before I start to go to bed, I go check on them again. Well, when I go out there the next time, three of them are dead. They had gotten far enough away from her, even with a heat lamp on them, that uh, three of them had died. So I ran back in the house and told Rhonda, I said, get a quilt, blanket or something, and put down in the living room floor. I said, we're going to bring the puppies in. So I brought Annie and the puppies in, and they stayed in my living room floor for three weeks. (laughs) The weather just kept, I mean, it was just miserable cold, and I didn't want to lose any more. So uh, anyway, they stayed in the house for three weeks till I felt comfortable to move them back outside where I didn't think they would, you know, freeze to death or anything happened to them. So we raised eight, and um, Willie came out of that litter. Uh-huh. And um, Peaches, that oh, Billy Bell yeah. hunted, was a litter mate. Carolina Peach. Carolina Peach. Uh, Clifton Crosby. Big winner. 
Yes, real big. I think she won like seventy four thousand. She won yeah. a truck. Yeah. Uh, Clifton Crosby got one of the males. Uh, his name was Chopper. Yeah. Uh, he was third in the state of Arkansas there for a while. Done a lot of winning in Arkansas. Uh, Wayne Allsbrooks. He may have had the best one of the bunch. A little female. She died of a brain tumor. I think she was sixteen or eighteen months old. He mm. already had a handler ticket, one with her, and a truck ticket, and she died of a brain tumor. But anyway, that's where Willie came from. And um, I, I've told a lot of people, Steve, that you don't really know. Um, I guess you would say like Michael Jordan's on a different level in basketball from oh. all the other players. Oh, yeah. I'd never been with a dog <laughs> like Willie uh before in my life i'd never hunted with a dog of that caliber and uh but willie i guess you would say put me on the map um he was just an exceptional exceptional hound that whole litter was i mean it was just a phenomenal litter um uh, the litter actually won me an avery litter of the year uh for that litter of pups but um yeah willie was um but now he was a typical wipeout dog to on the start. He would run anything that breathed. As Barry would say, if it had blood in it, he would run it. And um, I was hunting him with an older female named Molly, and uh, she was just a pure coon dog. And she was trained two to three coons a night, and Willie wouldn't even be at a tree. He'd be off running a deer or a coyote or a, a fox, something. And um, the, the first, I can still take you to the tree that he treated his first coon up. Um, we turned the dogs loose one night, Molly, there was a, a boy that had came that went to school with my oldest son, Reggie had came in and said, Michael's wanting to go hunting with us tonight. Him and his dad are wanting to go hunting with us tonight. So they brought a pup over and, uh, we go turn the dogs loose and they go off the hill and up a hill and Molly strikes and Willie strikes with her and they go over hill. Molly comes treed. Well, I hear another dog in there occasionally barking at the tree. And I thought, I asked Mike, I said, is that your dog? Is that your pup? He said, I don't think so. So we get in there and Willie was there and he was barking a little bit at the tree. One, you know, he was just milling around and barking here and there, but he was at the tree. First time he'd ever even been in a tree. <laughs> and uh, so we shoot that coon out to him and we take them and turn them loose again. And they go off the hill. And as soon as they get to the bottom of the hill, I, I think they just ran right up on a couple of coons because they struck. And uh, Molly went to the right, run it probably 150, 200 yards, and just exploded on a tree. And uh, of course, I'm <laughs> I'm running wide oh, yeah. open trying to get to him, you know, before he leaves. But uh, little did I know he wasn't going anywhere. And I shot that coon out to him, and from that night forward, it was just like you had you've heard the old saying, "Flipping a switch." Yeah, he flipped a switch. Yeah, and. Uh, how old was he at that? He was seven months old. Yeah. And um, I immediately started hunting him by himself. And, um, man, he just he was just just kept getting better man, and better and better. anything better. like it is it to have a My passion is just something about sitting to winning two trucks. Right. You know. Well, I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast and others out there probably think, well, these guys that run these, you know, money hunts and these – what I call the the mainstream of coon hunting. Uh, Josh Michaelis has now come out with this cane stream, he calls it, whether this Supreme Handler Series thing and all. But they look at these guys and think, you know, these are 
these are guys that are just they they happen to be able to buy a great dog or or whatever and and that's why they're winning these big hunts and stuff but a lot of the guys especially your age and my in in my age you know it's a down deep inside Hound gene, <laughs> I guess that's what I'm, I'm grasping for straws. But it's there, and if you have it, you know. And when you see a, a dog progress and do what God intended him to do, you know, I just kind of, I don't know what God thinks all the time. He gives us the Bible, and, and if we read it regularly, we, we get the mind of God. But I think he said, I'm going to just I'm, I'm just going to make something to give these guys something special here to interact with. It's going to be cool, you know. And, and, and But to me, it's just either you got that down deep inside or you don't. Right. I agree 100%. Yeah. And, um, and I don't think, you know, I, like you were saying, Steve, I have not been fortunate enough to have the money to go out and buy that caliber of a caliber right. of a dog. Very few do in this age. Yeah. I mean, I have always raised and trained my own, and I hunt by myself 95% of the time. Hmm. I just, when I hunt, I want to know everything there is to know about that dog. Yeah. And Willie was one of those that I could tell you if he was in cut over timber, I could tell you if he was in water, I could tell you, I could tell you anything about him. Uh, I was telling the guys out there a while ago, and you may have been out there, I spent for I'm going to say for three years, I spent more time with Willie than I did my wife. Yeah, I heard you say that. Um, I mean, it was just, I hunted every night, every night, even Sunday nights. A lot of times I would go after church, you know, late. Uh, my wife would tell you, I used to come in, take a shower and go to work. I mean, yeah. I would hunt all night. Now I hunt two, three hours and I'm done. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, but then I just, I couldn't get enough of it. And uh, Willie when you got a dog like that, it makes you want to go more. Oh yeah. You know, when, when you see him progressing night after night, I used to pull up where some of my buddies would be pleasure hunting and they, and just see what he would do. He never went to another dog, Steve. You cut him loose with dogs treed two or three different places. He would go right past them or beside them or around them or whatever and go tree a coon. And I just, I'd never had a dog like that. And uh, I'd had some pretty good dogs, you know, but nothing, nothing on Willie's level. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he speaks for himself at what he'd won. He, he'd won $74,000 at three year old. Yeah. So, you know, at, at that time, I, I think, uh, I'm not sure about this, but I think, uh, as a three-year-old, he had won more money than any dog at three-year-old. At three-year-old. Yeah. Now, there was dogs. There was six or seven dogs ahead of him in the all-time money winning. Mm -hmm. But I think at three-year-old, he had won uh, the most. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's – and the only – there's only one other dog that ever won two trucks back to back. That yeah. was Ashley Hopkins with Sunrise. Right. You know, Willie won two back to back. And, uh, you know, it just, uh, those kind of dogs are special in their own way. Now, I've had dogs that I've really thought a lot of, uh, but when you spend three years in the woods with a dog, six nights a week on average, um, I mean, you can't help but feel something a little more special yeah. about that animal. You're speaking to something that's down deep inside of me, too. I, you know, I, I live in Florida. It's not a good place to coon hunt. Wintertime right now is pretty good down there, but summertime, forget it. I don't even try it. Yeah. Uh, it's too hot, too snaky, alligators, all that mess. I mean, it's thick. But I come up here every year, 
and I love the fellowship. I love these guys like brothers. We have a great time. We eat way too much. We have a lot of fun. But when it gets dark, down deep in me, I want to go hunt my dog by myself. Absolutely. I'll confess to that. Absolutely. And they don't always understand that, you know, the guys. But a a pack hunt, buddy hunt, that ain't me. That ain't me either, Steve. When I was in Michigan all those years, I worked for the registries. I was with PKC part of the time I was there. I hunted all the time, but I had great hunting everywhere. But I could just go, you know, and if I wanted to come back and watch the news, I could. If I wanted to hunt till 2 o'clock, I would. But now, that's ingrained in us, Pete. Right. You right. know, and and that's just like I've got this young plot dog now. And these guy, I told the boys this morning, I said, he's living rent-free in your head. You hear the trade was giving me it. Uh, fit. How come he can treat three Karina in here? I said, you know, but I love to hunt a dog by itself. Oh, I do too. Now, the sad ending to that story is I'm getting too old to do that. Really, uh, really shouldn't. Yeah. You know, but I'm going to be out there some by myself this week. Yeah. Because that's what I love to do. Well, you know, I came, I came and hunted over here two nights last week. Came by myself, hunted by myself. And I'm going to hunt tonight and tomorrow night by yeah. myself. Yeah. It, you know, if, when I've got a dog that I'm, I'm not going to, I don't guess you could call it pushing into hunts anymore because I don't hunt open hunts much anymore. I right. just go to the pro classics yeah. and some of the bigger hunts, super stuff. I want to know every, if I get beat, I don't want it to be my thought that I got beat. Oh, yeah. You know, I want to know everything about the dog I'm hunting. Right. And, um, you know, that's just why I'm, if you're out there with a buddy, one, two, three, you're not going to be able to listen to that dog because people are going to be talking. You're going to be talking to each other and this, that, and other. And you may have missed something on this track that exactly. he ran that you really should have. You should have. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so now when I get older, uh, you know, my dog gets older. I'm, you know, I may feel different. Well, about I'm going right to bet that you're going to enjoy being with your buddies and doing all that stuff. But when it gets dark, you're going to want to be out there one on one with yeah, that owl. Exactly. I, I know you are because I feel that myself. Yeah. All I, the it's time. just something I just yeah. can't help it. I just, uh, I've just always had a passion to, to, to follow a young dog and watch him progress. And I just feel like if I'm, if somebody else is out there and there's other dogs out there, I, I can't learn him as good as I need to learn him. Well, it's frustrating kind of to me when I go out with a lot of uh, guys, new coon hunters. I get I get uh, guys complain about when I say something about young hunters. They say, well, you're talking down to young hunters. I No, don't mean that at all. But the first thing, they got that screen right there in their face, and they don't, they're, you know, they're not even hearing that dog bark, listen to him where he's, you know, if he's on the track or if he's checking the tree or, it, you know, is he really right or is he giving me that that one little squeal or whatever in his locate that lets me know he's got it. I mean, there's, it could be a, a dozen things, but you can miss all that if you concentrate too much on the technology. Right, right. Yeah. Well, but God, you know, gave us the technology, and I'm thankful for it. Don't. Don't mistake me, but I just think I think when Jarvis um, come up with the idea of PKC, I think the idea was for the best dog and the best handler as a combination. Uh, that's who they wanted to win: the yeah. dog that was the best dog and the best handler. Uh, 
And now, I'm like you, these hunts I go on now, yeah, I was a big proponent against having Garmin's and being able to use them in the hunt. Yes. Uh, you know, because I think that takes away from what Jarvis intended for this to be. I think he intended it to be the best hound and handler. And I think if, you, if you've got everybody out there standing and looking at a Garmin, some of them don't even know when their dog is treed. Right. Then you take that aspect away. Sure. You know, um, and – you know, I know I'm going to catch slack over this because there's so many guys and big winners now that absolutely want to be able to use the Garmin. Uh, but I just think it's um, I think it's a tool. I, I'm not saying it's not a necessary tool to use, uh, especially when you're pleasure hunting, because there's so many training capabilities you have that we didn't used to have. Oh yeah. You know, you can you can stop a dog from running junk. You can you can look at him and see if he's standing on his head. If you need to go in there and get him and move him or whatever right. you need to yeah. do. That, now I, I I'm thankful for that part of the garment, but I still think that in a hunt, it should be the best hound and handler combined. Without any technology. Well, yeah. Well, you think about that, Peanut, you know, and I, again, I'm old school, but you're out there on the hunt and you're hearing those alarms going off all the time, beep, 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 you know, and, you know, it absolutely gives you the advantage that we never had. Oh, absolutely. you were hunting well, here or, you know, back. And a thing, it gives a guy, you're not ever going to convince me that there ain't guys that have judged to, you know, you know he's treed right through there. Just listen, listen. You're looking. You know he's treed because you're looking at your Garmin. Yeah. But uh, I'm just. I yeah. feel like that people have been persuaded uh, to go to a hound that they never heard because oh, oh, the yeah. handler convinced them. You yeah. know that they're yeah. not, that they're hearing their dog. Well, and then you know the the comeback will always be well we need it for the safety of the dog. You know, we got to know when the dog's going on the road or, or if he's on property he's not supposed to be on or that guy ran me out of there last Saturday night. Well, Steve, let me interrupt you just yeah. a minute. No, go uh, ahead. To me, that the dogs to, of today, when you cut four dogs loose today in a pro hunt or in a one of the big pro sport truck hunts, those four dogs are going to leave in four different directions. Oh, yeah. And they're going to be a half a mile in three minutes. Yeah. How in the world are you going to get back to the truck and get around if your dog is on the road before he gets ran over? Oh yeah. I yeah, mean, I don't, uh, I don't buy, I don't buy, uh, the safety thing. Yeah. I, I really don't. Um, uh, because there's just no way that you're going, if your dog gets on the way these dogs go today, if your dog gets on a road, it would be impossible for you to get back to your truck, drive around to where that dog's at before he gets ran over. It's kind of reminds me of the fact that it's gun control argument. People say, well, you got the police. You don't need your own uh, weapon to protect your house. You got the police. How, you know, the guy's busting down your front door and you're going to call 911 and wait 30 minutes till he gets there? If you lived where I live, Steve, <laughs> I mean, they would have your house, you you killed and your house, everything in your house gone before the police ever got there. Oh, yeah. Man, I mean, yeah. I live out, in, I'm 30 miles from the closest Walmart. So ah, I, I am in the sticks. Ah, I'm way out for of you. The, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I, that's the way I've lived my entire life. Awesome. You know, so that's, that's the way I prefer to live. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I don't blame me at all. Well, uh, okay. We've been at it here about 40 minutes. I want to talk about 
What on earth persuaded you after having a dog like uh, Willie win two trucks, seventy-some thousand dollars, top of the Coonhound world there, you hunt an English dog now? How in the world did that happen? Steve, you're not the first person that's asked me this. It just, I believe that God has a hand in everything. When I went to looking for a pup, I wanted a pup for the upcoming spring super steaks, baby steaks. And there was a guy that lived within 30 miles of me that had a litter of wipeout pups that was going to, they were born uh, about, I'm, I think the end of May something like that, and uh, a wipeout pup. And so I called the boy, and I told him that I wanted a pup. And I said, when they get big enough to start getting around, where you can tell a little bit about them, I said, call me. I'd like to come up and look at look at them and pick me one out. And uh, he said, okay. So he calls me Saturday, and I, the boy that actually owned the female wasn't there, but his dad was there. And um, – I said, now, any pups that I can't pick from, get them out of the pen uh, so I don't pick anybody else's pup. So he gets them out, and uh, I go in the pen and pick me a pup out. We take pictures of it. Me and my wife were holding it in our arms and this, that, and the other. And uh, I gave him a $100 deposit, and I said, call me when they get six weeks old, and I'll come pick him up. Well, six weeks goes by, or, or three more. Uh, I said, Will's calling me to come get my pup. So I minutes, and he never mentions the puppies. And um, I said, well, I guess you're calling me to come get my pup. And he said, well, he said, got a little bad news. And I'm thinking, man, my puppy's died. And uh, I said, did my puppy die? And he said, no. He said, uh, the guy that owns the daddy has decided he wants the pup that you've picked. And I said, say what? And it sort of agitated me a little bit. It didn't make me mad, but it agitated me. And uh, I said, I'll tell you what, just uh, just send me my $100 back, and I'll find me a pup somewhere else. Well, he did. He sent me my $100 back. And he even went as far as to try to give me his pup. And uh, anyway, um, I looked and looked and looked to try to find another wipeout litter of pups, and there wasn't any. There just wasn't none. So I knew Larry Jordan, friend of mine that lives at Mercer, Tennessee. Him and Murray are good friends. Murray Reagan. Murray Reagan. And uh, his name was Larry Jordan. I knew he had bred his female show out to vapor. So I called him and uh, I said, uh, Larry, you got any of those pups? They were about three weeks younger than the wipeout pups. So they were, at this time, they were about three weeks old. I said, you got any of those uh, vapor pups, vapor show out pups left? And before he even said anything, he said, are you going to hunt an English dog? <laughs> and I said, well, I don't know that I want to. I said, but I may not have no other choice. Uh, he said, I'll tell you what. He said, I'll make sure you get one if you want one. I said, well, can we come look at him? And he said, yeah. So we go up and look at him, and they come out of the pen, and man, Sniper just, he just stood out from the rest of them. And uh, I, I told Larry, I said, if I can have that one right there, I said, I'll buy one from you. He said, he's yours. So I went back and picked him up uh, when they were weaned and brought him to the house. And basically the rest is history. I'll never forget this. We were sitting out on the porch. We'd had him about two weeks on a porch watching him. And uh, and I'm just ain't paying a whole lot of attention to him. And Rhonda just all of a sudden says, that's the smartest puppy that's ever been on this place. 
And I looked at her like, do what? She said, that's the smartest puppy that's ever been on this place. And I said, you do know we raised Willie here, right? And she said, that's the smartest puppy that's ever been on this place. She saw something in this, in this pup that I didn't even see. And uh, anyway, um, goes on there and he gets about three, a little over three and a half months old. And I had a little mountain cur female there. I, I squirrel hunt also with dogs. Yeah. House that I always take pups to just let them get used to crossing branches. There's some old net war fences they can get through and treetops blowed down. And that's where I take all of my pups just to start walking them. Yeah. I take them up there in the back of the side by side and I open my tailgate on the side by side. And Sniper comes out the back of this thing like he's an old dog. And he tears out down a, the old woods road that I'm parked in. And he's gone about two or three minutes. And he loads up on a tree. I'm talking about Steve. It wasn't no milling. It was, he went on a tree like he'd been doing it his whole life. And uh, three I, and a half months old. And I go down there to him, and he has got this tree bear hooked and <laughs> tree in every breath. And uh, I get to looking around, shaking bushes and stuff like that, and a squirrel runs out of the top of it. I'm thinking, good God, what have I got? <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I'm so ecstatic. I just put him on the leash, lead him back, and go home. I'm, I just, yeah. I'd never seen, I'd never had one to do that before. Yeah. So I go back up there the next day, and he does the same thing. I turn him out the same spot. He goes down the same road, and probably within 100 yards of the tree treat in the first day, he does the same thing again. I go down there to him, and this time there's a big vine going up the tree, and he's got the, the top. It's two squirrels. Does the same thing. Now, I'm telling you, this pup is just like he has been doing it forever. <laughs> so I go back home, and I tell my wife, I said, I'm fixing to take him down by our church tonight. There were some cut cornfields down there, and I said, I'm just going to walk him around those cornfields, see if I can walk him over a, a, a coon. I get him out of the truck. I lead him out there about 10 yards. I unsnap him, and Steve God is my witness. He takes off like a five-year-old dog down this corn row. He's gone about, I don't know, 250 yards, maybe something like that. He opens in this in the cornfield. He trails it. Still got the video of him from the first coon he ever treated. And uh, I'm thinking, he's run up on a possum down there in the mm. cornfield. Well, I go down there to him, squall one time, the coon looks right at me. He's got a big boar coon treat. And uh, I shoot the coon out. He comes over there, fights the coon. Well, I shoot him out dead, but he comes over there, fights the coon a little bit. And he, he like five days being four months old. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was consistently treeing coons from that night forward. It seemed like every night, I, I'd like to drove Billy Bell crazy. I would send him a video every night and call him or something, you know, telling him he was treeing coons. And in Bass Springs, Tennessee, <laughs> see, that, that just don't happen yeah. a lot of times, even with an old dog. Yeah. And, um, well, it, there was one tree there one time, but he, he was just passing through, I heard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, he treed 92 singles from the first coon that he treed till he was a year old. I kept up with every one of them. He treed 92 singles. And where I live, that's unheard of. I mean, that's unheard of. I'd say there's a lot of grown dogs that couldn't do that. And, um, he was the easiest dog in the world to break. He only ran two deer in his life. Uh, he only treated two possums. He was completely broke at five months old. He would not bark at nothing but a coon at five months old. 
he's the only dog I ever had that was born a coon dog. Yeah, and then, and you too, you imprinted him by you know hunting him. But what we talked about earlier, hunting him by himself, you out there, you and him out there doing the same thing. Yeah, time yeah. after time, and you said that ninety some coons he treated by a year old or right, something by a year old. You know, you have imprinted coon on that pup's brain. That's all he knows. Right. Right. And, and still say, to this day, yeah. he will not bark at nothing but a coon. Yeah. And he, he's just, he's been 100 from day one. There's been a few times that if he wasn't doing something, he would try to come into a tree uh, to another dog. When I did hunt with another dog and I broke him from that pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just, he was naturally independent and natural. I never had to walk him, not a night in his life. I've never had to walk him. You turn him loose, he goes hunting. Yeah. And uh, he was just, he's just a phenomenal he is phenomenal. Well, dog. we call it a nat being a natural. That's exactly know? what he is. And and they use that term in baseball and all about some of these kids. But it, it's amazing when you see one like that, and they don't come around every day. I've been on fifty two years, and he's the only one I ever had. Yeah. You know, yeah. Willie Willie wasn't a natural. I mean, Willie would run anything at later track, and um, you know Willie when he became a coon dog, he was a coon dog till he died. But uh, this pup was born a coon dog, absolutely born a coon dog. Well, here's a question for you, kind of. Has he made an English man for life out of you? That's all I'll ever hunt is his offspring, him and his offspring from now on. I'm too old to, you know, Steve, if you've hunted 52 years and a, and a dog of this caliber comes along once in your life, why would you want to go back to anything else? Now, listen, I'm not saying there's there's not walker dogs out there better than him. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But I will say this. When you pull up to a hunt with an off-colored dog, he better operate like a walker dog. And I tell everybody that. If you're going to win with an off-colored dog, he has to operate like a walker dog. He has to do it quick. Sniper's not a dog that's going to strike a track and trail it for an hour and tree it. A walker dog have two or three coons tree time he does that. Yeah. Uh, and most English dogs that I'm accustomed to hunting with, they strike a track and they trail and they trail and they trail. And they'll eventually tree the coon and they'll eventually have it. But a walker dog's going to treat two or three coons. Proclaim myself to be the historian of coon hunting, but I've studied coon hunting for all my life. Those walk, that walker family and, and those boys in Kentucky and all that bred the Walker Foxhound, they laid the foundation for why the Walker dog is so popular today. Absolutely. Because they built that speed into them. They went to all kinds of lengths to try to come up with that dog that could run that red fox to ground. They could. They were used to running those gray fox, but when the imported red fox came to this country and started migrating through and it come into Kentucky, they couldn't. They wanted to run that fox until he went in a hole. Yeah, or they caught him on the ground, one right. or the other. And they they got dogs from Ireland. They they cross inbred their dogs till they were coming up blind and deaf and all these things. And they found that. The legend is, and and I believe it's true, that dog out of Tennessee called Tennessee Lead, that they stole, they stole him out of a, they told, well, no, this was before, before Billy Ledbetter's oh. dog. Oh, okay. This was a, 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 different a black Tennessee and lead. tan kind of looking dog 
story is uh, they stole him out not the walk back to Kentucky, and he had that speed and that drive and everything. They begin to walk, breed their bitches to him, and that's how they developed that Walker Foxhound. But all that big long story is to say, you know, that's why when the competition game started, you know, back in the fifties, and see, I grew up with that. Well, actually, it was the forties, but I I was born in nineteen forty six. Yeah, and I was just a kid when a lot of this stuff was developing. You know, and and uh, that quickness, that quick on strike, that running that track, getting to the tree first. Now they had to work on the tree a little bit. In those early Walker dogs, not all of them would tree, and they, you know, and they were they had to break them off a lot of stuff. But that's why the Walker dog became popular. And you hit the nail on the head. That Walker style is what you've got to have. you got to have it. Yeah. you got to have it, Steve. Exactly. I don't take anything. Hey, that's what I've hunted my whole life. That's why I went to a Walker dog is because of the quickness. I've seen in the hunts what it took to win. you got to yeah. have independence. you got to have quickness as uh, uh, one of your main ingredients and accuracy. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, if you don't have those three things, you better stay away from these big hunts. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm telling you, you better well, stay away sat, from them. Yeah, I sit back and watch the videos and age. A minute or two left. It's you, you, hey, you, they can cover 500 yards in a couple of minutes. Oh, yeah. I don't. The best way I know to say it is, and I've told everybody, if you, don't have, if you have an off-colored dog, he better operate yeah. with a walker style. Right. Or there's no sense of going to these bigger hunts. We were talking last night, I think it was, and the name came up of a blue dog years ago in the Purina race when I was in, at UKC, when the Purina Award for the Outstanding Coonhound was the big thaw winner. For instance, Paul Sheffield in Georgia won it twice with Hardwood Dan. It was a different one. But there was a blue dog, and the words came up in this discussion last night, that he hunted and ran a coon like a walker dog. Absolutely. And that was the blue run gentleman dog that Tom Bradley over in Virginia had. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Yep. What you're talking about. Yeah. You know, I went to uh, a pro sport hunt, one of the $4,000 entry fee hunts that they have uh, back in March. And uh, Sniper was the only off-color dog there. Yeah. You know, and I, I won my first cast, won yeah. 4000 back. But uh, – it's just, you know, um, and I'm not taking anything away from the English breed, but I'm going to say this. If Sniper can produce his likeness, yeah, I honestly think he's going to change the English breed. Yeah. You know, now some guys may not like that. They may not want it changed. Right. But, uh, but if you want to see more off-colored dogs at these bigger hunts, we're going to have yeah. to come up with something in the English sure. breed that um, will allow you to be able to go okay. to those. All right. I'm, uh, I know you're going to be hunting him by himself tonight, but let's just say, for the sake of supposition, as they say, I'm going to go out there with you tonight, and you're going to unsnap Sniper. What, what am I going to see? Well, first thing you're going to see is he's going to throw rocks in your face when you cut him loose. He leaves like he's shot out of a cannon. Matter of fact, Murray, <laughs> before Murray ever bought half of him, we were hunting on the river one night on the turn them loose on the banks, hunting out of yeah. a boat. And he took off and he throwed sand all in Murray's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and Murray, he he reminds me of that quite a few times. Literally, he leaves that way. And yeah. uh, he recuts from a tree the same way. 
Um, he don't care what anything else is doing. You can cut him, you can pull him off of his tree, dogs treat everywhere, and he's he's going to tree another coon. And he's going to tree him until you put him in the box. I mean, that's just the way yeah. he is. I'm not bragging on him. I'm just telling you the absolute well, facts. You, you mentioned that you were up over here last week hunting a couple of nights by yourself. And right. I think you said one night you treed 12. He treed 12 the second night. Yeah. Yeah. He treed five the first night, and then he got across Green River on me. Yeah. And it killed a lot of my time trying yeah. to get across to right. find a way across to get right. him. And uh, but the second night he treated twelve, and I quit before right. midnight. Okay, different types of coon: cold tracks, hot tracks. Do you, or is he ambush? What kind of dog is he? Man? He well, I will say this: he's not an ambush style dog, but he's not going to bark on a track that's going to take him forty five minutes to tree. He's not. He'll never open on that track. Yeah. I don't know if it's because he's smart enough to know that he can't get it treed in a certain amount of time or if he don't have the nose to smell that coon that's going to take 45 minutes to tree. Either way, he doesn't take a track, I guess you would say, as he comes to it because if he did, he'd be striking more colder tracks. He doesn't strike tracks that's going to take him a long time to tree it. Most of his tracks are going to be, and he runs it to catch it. Um, I mean, it's going to have to get somewhere. Yeah. Uh, when he strikes. Good locate. Unbelievable locate. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. He's got a he's got a good locate. Uh he's a every breath tree dog. Yeah. Uh he does jack the tree some, but mainly he goes around the tree in a uh -huh. circle. But uh -huh. he he'll never miss a bark. I mean, going around it or jacking it or whatever. He mainly runs around it. Um, that's why I can't never get no real good videos of him trim because he won't stand still yeah. long enough. Yeah, I get you. But um uh, that that's he's just a dog that when you cut him loose, he's going to tree a coon somewhere. Now it may be a mile or a mile and a half, but he's going till he trees one. That's just the way he is, and it's cost me a few casts by him getting out of pocket. Uh, but he's just where I live, Steve. A dog has to go hunting um, to tree a coon. I mean, just we don't have a lot. Did, have you and Murray considered, or have you ever bred him to a another breed? female we have not uh i've had a guy ask me would i breed uh he's got a walker female and a good one uh and i told him certainly yeah i, I, I don't care you know what right. we breed him to we've only bred four females so far uh only two litters of pups on the ground murray's female jojo she is yeah. new she is feeling uh has got a really nice female out of jojo and vapor which is a half brother half sister cross she's bred and she's due january about the first week of January, something like that. But we've only got two litters of pups on the ground right now. And I want to say this. I uh, got a video this morning of one of them. That's, they're about four and a half months old, his oldest litter. I've got a pup at the house that's uh, out of the first litter. But uh, one of his litter mates, there was only four in the first litter. She had 11, but seven of them died. Uh, got a video this morning of the female treeing. I knew she'd been treeing cats around this boy's uh -huh. house, which she actually ran and treed with his older dog last night on the coon. Good deal. That's so, a good report on him. Yeah, it? yeah. Absolutely. Well, he's predominantly blue-ticked with a – describe him. He, he's uh, blue with red legs, red head, um, Kind of more of a tricolor. Tri yeah. yeah, he's a tricolor dog. He's a big dog. He weighs about 85, 90 pounds. Oh, okay. Um, loud. Pretty loud, yeah. Yeah, you don't have no trouble hearing him. Um, like I say, I think I told you in there a while ago, He um, at the 
Tournament of Champions Regionals last year, Conway, Arkansas. I treat him in a mile and four tenths. Uh, now, I don't, don't hurt him. The guy had hurt him enough that I could get him treed, yeah. and it won me the cast. Yeah. Uh, of course, they it's all flat ground over there, Conway, or where we were hunting anyway. Uh, we were hunting in Haskell, uh, uh -huh. Arkansas, yeah. which is about an hour south of Conway. And, uh, but you can hear him a long way. Yeah. And he's how old right now? He was three in June. Just three. Yeah, he was just, three in June. He's right. got one super stakes left. Oh, great. Great. Yeah, he's a spring he's a spring dog. Well, you've done things in the Coonheim world that a lot of guys that'll be listening to this probably don't believe they could ever do or would would aspire to do, and that's when not just one but two pickup trucks. Steve, uh, to win one <laughs> was that would have been enough for me. But um, the handler hunt came before the pup hunt, and so he was hunting against older dogs in the handler hunt. And uh, I don't know. I just I had a feeling, even before we went down there, um, I had a feeling that if he could get a break or two, he could possibly win it. I mean, he was that good. And um, it just so happened that things went my way. He looked unbelievable. I think we scored – I think it's around 1100 plus we scored in the three cast, no minus. Um, now I, I have to say this to my Brown yeah. of the, of the first night. And, uh, of course, habit had won. He was winning everything. Oh yeah. You know, I think he ended up with 95,000, uh, when he got killed, right. I think he got killed. And, uh, but anyway, uh, something told me if I could beat John, and no disrespect to the other dog in the cast, but if I, I thought if I could get by habit, um, I could win it, and uh, or Willie could win it. And uh, we that night, the moon was bright. It was about 15 degrees, wind blowing 20, 30 mile an hour off the Mississippi River. I mean, it was cold. And uh, Willie had 400 plus on two coons and 200 on a den. And habit had, I think, 350 circle. So Willie was the only dog on the cast that had plus, and I just I felt like he was. Uh, I thought I thought to myself I didn't tell nobody this, but I thought he was just on a different level than anything yeah, else yeah. that I was going to be hunting against. Yeah. Habit was tough. I I only hunted with him one night. It was on the final four at the PKC World. At the Boz dog won yeah. it that year. Right. Habit was at large, and I thought, boy, he he gets treated. He's got this thing. They had treated one in a den. They scored it. They got to see it and all. But, uh, yeah, well, what's, what has Sniper won so far? Uh, he's won about – he's won a little over 7,000 in PKC. Yeah. He's won 4,000 in Pro Sport, and he's won 2,000 in UKC. So around 13 – between twelve and thirteen thousand, yeah, yeah, something like yeah. that. And uh he's competitive also, uh obviously. Yeah. So you got a dog there at three years old. You you've got three or four real good years ahead of you with him. I think so. Uh, you know, if he holds up his his Yeah, I don't his, think he's even reached his prime yet, to be honest with you, Steve. I mean, I think he's still you know, Willie, um I'm not gonna say Willie was any better at four year old than he was previously, but he started making things look easier. You know, I think when a dog of this caliber gets older, it's not necessarily that they're better. They just start making things look easier. You know, they learn how to tree a coon quicker and things like they learn more of where to oh, go yeah. to find the coon. Of course they do. You know, yeah. so the you know, good I, ones. And, the good ones. And and I think that uh helps a dog as far as becoming better. 
uh, because he has learned through mistakes, you know, what to avoid, what not yeah. to do anymore. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think Stiper still, I think he's still got some learning to do as far as to get to that absolute, you know, collected him one time and we did that before we ever bred him. I just, um, I wanted to do it just for my purpose in yeah. case something happened to him. You know, I wanted to have All a right. way that I could get a pup out of him. That's the only reason we collected him. Now, Murray and I have talked about, um, you know, collecting him again, but right now we're live breeding him. We've live bred four females. Uh, I'm just hoping that it doesn't, that's what happened to Willie. We started, um, we started breeding so many females after he won that second truck, and he just he got his mind on, oh, yeah. on that instead of trying to cut sure. And yeah. I'm just hoping it, that's not what happens right. to snipers. Well, that, that's anyway. a decision, or some of them. I guess there's some that doesn't affect, but most of males are affected right, by that. Right. I mean, you know, Murray's had some – he's had some bad experiences with AI. And, uh-huh. uh, I think he's went through two or three females – uh, that he AI'd that didn't have pups. And, you know, there's a lot of expense to oh, AI yeah. and a female, yeah. especially not to get yeah. a pup. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, you're looking at cost of travel to go to wherever the semen's stored or uh-huh. either have it shipped, you know, to your yeah. vet or whatever. And a lot of vets don't even do that. Uh, so there's a lot of expense yeah. to AI'ing. Uh, and that's one reason so far we haven't went that route. Um, but not to say we're not going to at some point. But uh, we're offering him now for for live breeding. Yeah, uh, we've got like I say, we've bred four, and I've got some other guys that are just waiting on their females yeah. to come in to yeah. uh, to bring them to sure. him. So, well, that's my partner and I on the plot dog. You know, we collected him the other day, and the idea was we're not planning to try to breed him a lot, but just to have him, you know, have it there for the future, and also not to mess his mind up, you know, yeah, with, right. with females, right. And all we got four more wins. We need to be grand, and he finished second in the plot race this year with PKC, which that was pretty good. Oh yeah, and uh, so we like him. But that's in there, Morris Hardy and Randy Smith, Mississippi Randy. I have to say because my other buddy up in Pennsylvania, they got crappie, they got coleslaw, fries, all the trimmings. You cannot go in the finest seafood restaurant in the country and get a better meal. And I think it's about ready. Oh my goodness! Steve, it, I didn't come to eat, but I sure will. <laughs> you, 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 you need to. And I will sure be glad to. Is there anything that you thought we'd talk about, or you want to say, or anything that we haven't covered before we shut this thing down? No, uh, I, I do want to uh, thank Murray for being the partner he's been. Pledge of the English breed. Oh, uh, I don't know. A, I don't know a lot about the English breed because I've been a Walker man all my life. Yeah. But uh, Murray is like an encyclopedia when it comes oh, to yeah. the English breed, and, yeah. and that has helped me tremendously. Yeah. Uh, when people call about breeding or something, I can point them to Murray, and he can tell them anything yeah. that they need to know as far as bloodlines and stuff. Sure. You know, I'm just I'm just a coon hunter that yeah. has lucked up, and you know, God has blessed me with a good dog, and yeah. uh, I'm just thankful to still be able to do it. Well, I think there's something about knowing how to develop that talent. You know, it's kind of like these coaches. You know, you get a kid out in the inner city or whatever he's got all the natural talent in the world but if he doesn't get that well that's what a good dog man does well you you obviously are uh steve i have said this and and i don't mean anything by it it's just a fact you could take a world champion and give him to some guys and they'd have him run the week oh yeah i mean it's just that it's just that simple you know um god has had to give you a talent and you know and you learn 
by trial and error. Believe me, man, when I first, of course, I've never had money to be able to go out and buy dogs. I've always had to raise my own. Uh, and I think it's made me a better dog man by having yeah. to do that because I have, there ain't nothing out there I ain't seen. I mean, I've seen it all. <laughs> I, I've dealt with every kind of issue to do this. Yeah. Well, it's been a blessing to me and to our listeners, I'm sure, Peanut, to have you on the podcast this week, and I really appreciate you. I know you you made the effort to make the drive over here about, what, three and a half hours or so? About four me? and a half. Four and a half, yeah. So uh, beautiful day out there. It should be a good night tonight. That old moon's awful bright. Yeah, it, it may be tough. <laughs> it may be tough, especially on some young dogs. Oh, yeah. Well, it was tough last night, you know. And I, the one good, really good do- job my dog did last night, I thought, oh, boy, you really look good here. And it was a darn big old hotel, man. Yeah. Should have had happens. a Hilton sign up on it. <laughs> it happens. But, uh, no, real joy to to see you again, Peanut, first of all, and I've been following you on social media. And, uh, of course, Murray, he taps in every once in a while. I, I've had M- Murray on a podcast before. In fact, over across the road over there at the campground, we sat down in his camper one time and recorded. You know, and, when we talked about this, uh, I was hoping that he could be here with me yeah, to do it yeah, together. Yeah. But JoJo's, like I say, she's not far from having pups, and he wanted to be back at home yeah. with her, and it just didn't work yeah. out. But I wanted Murray to be here for any uh, bloodline. Yeah. Well, we'll bring him back, and we'll bring you back, too, and you guys can just have a big old time well, talking hey, English. Well, I see, Steve, man, I, I, well, you see each other at the PKC hunts all the time, and you've always been uh, somebody I looked up to. Oh, wow. Uh, so uh, I just thank you for having I'm me on. down I'm here honored. to do this. Oh, well, it's my privilege. I never dreamed in a million years that I'd ever be asked to do a podcast. Oh, wow. Well, that's... And this uh, is the second one I've done. So yeah, I, I, yeah. I wouldn't have yeah. never dreamed about Who'd it. Who'd you do with before? Uh, Mason Bush. Oh, okay. Yeah. On the Coonhang University? Well, it was when he was with the Hunting Dog Public. Folks, if you need anything in the way of supplies for your dogs or your hunts or you want apparel, coon hunting apparel, big game hunting, technical support for your electronics, uh, they've got it all at WHuntingSupply, DUSupply.com. Call Buddy or Jason or any of the fine folks out there and they will take care of you, I guarantee. That's going to be it for the Gone to the Dogs podcast for this week. If somebody asks you, where's that old broken down coon hunter these days, tell him, well, that fool drove 1,200 miles in two days, coon hunted two nights, <laughs> and, and he's here doing a podcast trying to keep his eyes open. But Fielder here, and I'm Gone to the Dogs. Gone to the Dogs.